So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And, God, we just pray that you would just shine your light on us this morning and that through your word you just encourage us to build a great commission life. And we just ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. It's great to see. Do you want to turn the lights on? Um, Oh, there you are. <laughs> it was fantastic to see some of you here with umbrellas this morning. That was a, that was a great change. <laughs> hey, I want to talk about building a great commission life this morning. Uh, one of the greatest pieces of knowledge that we can receive after the realisation that God loves us and has a great plan for our lives is the realisation that we were created to make a difference in this world, and that each of us can make a difference when we use our faith. Just to start off with, uh, if you have been on a uh, really successful overseas missions trip in the last decade or so, why don't you stand to your feet? I just want to see. Fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. All right, people, you can, you can be seated. Hey, the rest of you plan to do it. It's not that hard. It's not that hard. I, I, think, uh, I always think that if, if I want to get a church sold on overseas missions, then I should get the pastor to go on an overseas missions trip. Will you, do you stand, Debbie? No, you didn't. Debbie's just been on a missions trip as well, and she had a fantastic time. So that, that's what happens when you don't stand. Uh, I, I remember my first significant missions trip back in the, um, to India, and that was in about 1992 or so. Um, we flew into Hyderabad, and I taught in a Bible college there and preached in the church, King's Temple. And I remember that uh, in one of the older courses that I gave at the Bible college, this young, this young Indian couple came up with their baby boy. And the baby would have only been um, about three months, four months old. And they explained that since the time that the baby was born, he had never settled, never slept through the night at all. So every night he had been up. And so as I began to pray for this um, young child, uh, the Lord just spoke to me through the Holy Spirit, gave me a word of knowledge. And I said to the, um, the young mum, I said, did this baby have a traumatic birth? And she said, yes, he had the umbilical cord wrapped around its, uh, around its throat. And I really felt that the enemy had sent an assignment against this young baby. So I broke the power of the enemy on it and just prayed for peace. I found out, six months later, I found out from that night onwards, that baby slept perfectly through the night. That young man and his wife uh, are now leaders of an Assemblies of God church in West Auckland, and uh, that young man is on the executive of the Assemblies of God. And I had the privilege a number of years back of seeing that baby who's a strapping young man, uh, and uh, speak some other words over his life because I really felt that um, God had a plan for that, that guy. So you don't know what's going to happen. 
Um, after we'd um, preached in King's Temple, we went up two hours north to a place called Carmoretti, and uh, we went out through the villages there, and we just, um, the Indians were better preachers than us, but our white skins attracted a crowd. So <laughs> we just attracted the crowd, and then uh, we preached the gospel, and then we just prayed for people, and people got healed, um, everybody would put their hands up to receive Jesus Christ because they were just adding Jesus to one of their two million gods. But when they saw the power of God uh, demonstrated through healings and deliverances, that's when they turned to Jesus wholeheartedly and forsook everything else. And so we saw fantastic, fantastic uh, results of um, that campaign as we saw that God was with us and... Um, and I realized at that particular time, I realized that I could make a difference. And I could make a difference here in New Zealand as well as overseas. And I was far, far more confident in God. But I also realized that we always have God's attention and God's blessing when we invest our lives in activities that are close to God's heart. The whole of history is about God making a way through Jesus Christ, so that the lost, fallen humanity could come to know him. So lost souls are not only on God's heart, they are the very reason that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. Because people who don't know God, people who don't know his love, need to hear about God. And Jesus has commissioned you and I, with that task. The Great Commission, as um, we call it in the Bible, is found in all of the Gospels. But probably the most well-known verses uh, I'm going to put up on the screen behind me. Matthew 28, 18 says, and these are the last words of Jesus. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judah, to, sorry, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. <clears throat> these, these words tell us that all of us need to be involved in reaching the lost and making disciples of people of all nations. It's not just a commandment, it's not just a mandate for the local church, although that is very clear, that Jesus' words are for us at Church Unlimited, and one of the driving forces behind our effort to reach New Zealand and beyond. But they are also given to each of us personally as they clearly tell us of the opportunities and the power and the authority that we have when 
we step out of our comfort zone and fulfill that commission and call of God on our life. Uh, authority was given to Jesus, and that authority has been passed to us. Uh, power was given to Jesus, and that power has been given to us to be Jesus' witnesses in Whangarei, in Northland, in New Zealand, and to the ends of the earth. These words uh, are words which should inspire us to get out and trust God because God's power doesn't just work in India. It works right here. In fact, it's amazing uh, the way that God is bringing the nations to us in New Zealand and in Whangarei. Uh, you don't need to go to the Philippines to reach Filipinos because we've seen a lot of Filipinos come to the Lord here, right here, um, because God's bringing the nations to our doorstep. And a number of people, um, people in this church, and who are involved with refugees coming into New Zealand. It is a huge ministry, and it's a great ministry. You don't have to go to Germany or to France or to these places where refugees are flooding in there to reach refugees because God's bringing them here as well. Uh, the words that Jesus spoke are backed up what, by what God had already promised. God said to Abraham and all of Abraham's descendants of whom we are part of through Jesus Christ, he said, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you have been created to be a blessing. You've been created to be a blessing. You've been created by God to be a blessing. And that is a major part of God's purpose for our lives. Uh, we are to know him and to grow in him, but also we are to make him known and to be his witnesses, not working in our own strength, but guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's exciting, but it's also incredibly, incredibly challenging. There's a fourfold call on our lives. There is the call from above. That's the Great Commission, God calling us. Our greatest gift to God for evangelism is not some amazing ability. It's actually our availability. God said to Isaiah, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here am I, send me. In fact, that's pretty close to Maori, isn't it? Hori am I, send me. Just a thought. If you would say to God, here am I, use me, he would. He always answers that prayer. He doesn't ask us to do the impossible, but he gives us opportunities to fulfill God's commission and mandate and purpose for our lives. And even the shyest of us, have great opportunities to pray and invite others to events where they can rub shoulders with other Christians. Even the shyest of us can do stuff for God. Uh, Debbie would be one of the shyest of us in the congregation. I can't even get her to stand up at a prayer meeting and share her testimony. Uh, she, would, she would die if I pulled her up here. 
But the reality is, of her own volition, she went on a missions trip and, uh, and saw people healed and saw people saved when she was part of a group. And I guarantee that if you talk to Deb, she'll say, hey, that changed my life. That gave me so much more confidence. And that's true of many, many, many others of you here. Matthew, the tax collector, known as Levi, we read in the Gospels how he gets saved, and he's just transformed by his new relationship with Jesus. And he just wants to tell his friends about it. The question was, how? He wasn't an orator. He wasn't a theologian. So he just did what he did well. And one of the things that Matthew did really well was he threw great parties. So that's what he did. It says in Luke 5, 29, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. In other words, Matthew had lots of friends. He knew that they needed to hear the transforming words of Jesus, so he just got an event together where his friends could meet Jesus, and it worked. The, the Samaritan woman at the well did the same thing. She had an encounter with Jesus. She went into the town and said, come and see a man who told me everything about my life. And people came to Jesus as a result of her just inviting them to get into that situation. I, I heard of um, one of our guys who had been out fishing who, who talked to a guy at the boat ramp in the middle of the night and invited him to come to church. So the chap came to church and got saved. How, I mean, how easy is that? You should start that, Dave. At the boat ramp, mate. It's none of this easy stuff while you're changing a filter. <laughs> and someone... <laughs> yeah, get them in the boat so they can't get off. That's a good idea. <laughs> but that's what the Steiger team do. Um, using their artistic giftings, they create opportunities for conversations about God and life. The touring team is just one part of the Steiger ministry, but they have, um, they have centers in lots and lots of cities throughout uh, Europe, and they just create opportunities for conversations, for conversations about life, for conversations about God, and as a result of that, they see thousands of people saved. Every one of us can invite somebody to church. If you're not confident in witnessing, just invite them to come along so they get into, the, into a uh, situation where they'll experience the presence of God and they'll hear someone talking. Every one of us can pray. Even the shyest of us can pray we can pray on a regular basis for our friends and our workmates, and God answers prayer. I remember Helen telling us um, many years ago how she used to see this guy walking past her house in Onorahi, and uh, so every time she saw him, she would just pray for him. God, get him. God, save him. And I remember her telling us that a year and a half after that, the guy came to one of our small group programs and got saved. God answers prayer. He's just waiting for people to get serious enough to start to prioritize reaching the loss. There's the call from below. In Luke 16, Jesus tells the story of how a rich man cries out from hell, begging the beggar, Lazarus, to warn his relatives 
of how terrible hell is. That cry comes to us all as we ponder the consequences of sin and a godless eternity. There's a whole movement arising up today trying to tell people that hell doesn't exist. Well, I mean, how dumb is that? Why would Jesus talk about hell if it didn't exist for a start? But the consequences of that is that people don't have fear of not knowing Jesus. And so the enemy is able to get in and just steal stuff from them. Uh, Penny and I went out fishing with our two grandkids on uh, last Wednesday. And we're fishing in, in the harbor. And uh, we hadn't been there too long. And then suddenly one of the reels, just one of the little reels, just absolutely took off. Uh, I had something on my rod. I handed the small one to Penny. And then this big Marco shark <laughs> jumps behind the boat. Just about spooled us, and um, the <laughs> river <laughs> ran for the cabin. <laughs> it says, quick, Ezra, quick, get in the cabin, <laughs> get in the cabin. <laughs> but that blimmin' Marco shark was down there eating the fish off our lines. So we'd catch, it, we'd catch a fish, and he'd go chomp, and there would go our hook and uh, line and everything else. And I think, man, that we hooked him twice, by the way. <laughs> uh, that... That Marco shark was exactly what the enemy does. He tries to come in and steal the life that Jesus Christ died to give us. The enemy tries to tell people that there is no hell, contrary to Jesus' words, and he tries to steal the good things that God places in our hearts. Don't put up for it. Don't put up with it. Believe what Jesus says. There's the call from below. If we don't tell people about Jesus Christ, they are going to go to a godless eternity. Then there's the call from within. That's the love of God compels us to share the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.11 says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all. I think one of the greatest things when you come to know the Lord is his love. And then you realize that other people don't share that same love that you have. They don't share that same peace. They don't have that same hope. And so that drive from within should inspire us to look for opportunities to bring people one step closer to God. And most people in this church this morning would have come to faith in Jesus Christ because a friend invited them or because a friend talked to them. And that's all we need to do. Then there's the call from without. Did you know that most people actually want to know how they can make peace with God? Most people want to feel God's love. They want their futures to be secured. And that's the cry of the lost who just don't know how they can be saved. They know that there is something inside them that is missing. They don't quite know what that missing thing is. And they just need someone to tell them that that missing thing is actually God. They need him in their lives. 
That's why we need to take every opportunity to invite people to church or start a conversation about life. The Apostle Paul says, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. I think over the years, there's only been one person that I've asked if I could pray for, and they said no. Most people will say yes. Opportunities abound. We just need to take advantage of them. We just need to make God's priorities our priorities. Uh, Some of you will remember the last scene from the movie Schindler's List where Oscar Schindler saved hundreds of lives from Nazi concentration camps with his bogus factories. But he didn't realise until the war was over how much of a difference he could have made if he had been less focused on himself and more focused on perishing people. The Jews that he saved from that concentration camp gave him a gold ring inscribed with the Hebrew words, he who saves a life saves the world entire. And the thought behind that is when we look at saving the world, it overwhelms us. The magnitude of it is just too, too big. But if we could just see one person saved. You know, if, if every family in the church saw one family saved in a year, we'd have revival. If we saw one family saved in two years, we would have revival. We were in a church in Hamilton that saw 350, 360 on average decisions every year, 100 people added to the church every year for a decade. And so that church grew from a couple of hundred to about 1,500 people. And it grew that way one by one by one. Revival is about getting one person saved at a time. The challenge in life is to keep making God's priorities to reach the lost, our priorities. You know, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. But it's easy to say that. It's another thing to pray into it and say, well, what does that actually mean to me? What does that actually mean for the way that I live? What does that mean for me and the way that I prioritize my time, the talents, and my resources? It's not easy because self will always try and assert itself as our number one priority. But the more time we spend with Jesus, the more he shares his heart with us and the more he encourages us to champion his cause to reach the lost. And we can all do that, but we have to put Jesus first in our lives and allow him to change the bias of our life. And the way that we do it, the way that I do it, it's going to be different to the way that Dave does it or the way that Rosie does it or the way that Dennis does it. It's all going to be different because God's made us different. The important thing is to find out what you can do, how the Holy Spirit can move through you and make a difference 
through you. Hanging around people that put Christ first in their lives is such an encouragement. And that is one of the roles of the body of Christ, that we should be able to encourage and inspire and provoke one another to love and good works. And we can do this. We can change our city. We can change our nation. We can have an impact on the nations, but we've got to prioritize putting Jesus and his priorities first. So develop a passion for fulfilling God's purposes. Recognizing God's purpose is one thing. That's the thing of the mind. But passion is from the heart. So how do you develop a passion for winning the lost? How do you develop a passion for missions, for the nations, for the kingdom of God, for the church meeting the needs of the poor, for kingdom plans and kingdom purposes? Jesus tells us in his Sermon on the Mount, he said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever you store your treasure, that is where your heart and that is where your passion is going to be. When I walked through the slums of Kibera. That was with you, Martin, wasn't it? Yeah. I've been there a couple of times. One time was with Martin. Kibera in Nairobi, Kenya. That's it. And that picture just doesn't tell you the smells. It doesn't show you the black putrid water flowing through that. You, you can't see young people growing up in that environment and and it not move you. When we heard about the gangs, the drug trade, the prostitution, the AIDS, most young women will have AIDS by the time they are 18 years of age. They grow up in that environment and they've got no choices because there is no other, there is no other way. It moves you. When you're there and see it, it moves you. When I saw the effects of drought in Mozambique, of course I cried out to God, there has to be an answer. When I hear the stories of families in Northland who have lost children to suicide, it moves us to seek God for answers. I'm, I'm passionate about missions, not just because I know there has to be people from every tribe and tongue and nation in heaven, but I'm passionate for the nations because I've invested tens of thousands of dollars and years of my life in helping to reach the nations for Jesus. And the same is true of many of you. I see Janet, uh, who was a missionary in China for a dozen or more years. Uh, I see Rose, who worked in Southeast Asia. I see many of you here uh, who have spent your life ministering to nations and you know 
that once you've done that, once you've sown into the nations, once you've sown into the harvest field, you're different. You can never go back. You always have that passion burning within you, um, causing you to make life choices for the kingdom. My heart is for the nations because that's where a lot of my treasure is stored. Yes, I've invested treasure in my marriage. You can't have a great marriage without investing your time and your talents and your resources. You're going to reap what you sow. Same for your family. You've got to invest in your children especially. It's no good going out and saving the world and losing your kids. You've got to spend time, time, time if you, in your kids. If you pour all your time and talent and resources into your house, that's where your heart will be. If you pour it all into your business or your boat or sport, that's where your heart will be. And there are seasons. When you start up a business, the first six months, you pour everything into that. If you don't, your business won't be a success. But if you're still pouring everything, if you're still working 60, 80 hour uh, weeks, five years down the track, there's something wrong. There are priorities for your time besides just making money. Why does Penny have a passion for reaching children for Jesus? Well, after doing Bible in schools and children's church for 36 years, where time is so precious, of course she's going to have a passion for those things because where your treasure is, that's where your heart also will be. No wonder she has a passion for seeing children come to know Jesus. Uh, about five, six years, might have been seven years ago, I tried to stop Penny from doing Bible in school for a year. And it just about killed her. She, she literally was dying on the inside. Because that is where she's been sowing her life into. Jesus Christ loves the church. He spent a third of his earthly life training its first leaders. What about you? Where is your treasure going? What are you going to sow your time and your talents and your resources into? I want to suggest that if you're putting God first... You need to be sowing them into God's kingdom and making a difference for eternity because you can. You were created to make a difference and you can. And it's not that hard. You need to recognize God's purpose. You need to make God's priority your priority. You need to develop a passion for fulfilling God's plans and purposes. And then just do something. I love that Nike or Nike uh, saying, just do something. Do something. God had a plan for our salvation. He sacrificed and sent his only son to die for us. We all need to pray about God's plans for us, recognizing that God is bringing the nations to our doorstep. He has a kingdom plan for your time. He has a kingdom plan for your talents. He has a kingdom plan for your resources. And you can make a difference if you will just seek him for initiatives and start storing your treasure in his kingdom. Romans 10.13 says this. Everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's great, eh? That is just so good. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in one whom they haven't heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching or someone talking to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? It's not that hard. Every one of us can be involved in reaching the nations through our support of our missionaries. You know, we've got a couple in, in our church who provides accommodation for missionaries when they come off furlough. How fantastic is that? They're using what they're good at and what God has placed into their hands. Have a look and pray and say, God, what have you given me? What have you placed in my hand that I can use to make a difference for you? And you'll be amazed what he will tell you. This is God's mission for his church and this is our part in the work of salvation. Amen?